This is Crime Connections, and we're your hosts. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jackie. Today we want to cover a case that was brought to us by one of our listeners. This is the 17-year-old cold case of Tina Snyder. And this episode is kind of like Kelly Norman's. This is an interview-styled episode with Tina's niece. Now let's get into it. On December 3rd, 2004, Tina Snyder was 43 years old. She was found dead in her bathtub at her East Fremont home in Fostoria, Ohio, around 5.47 p.m. Her body was then transported to the Lucas County Coroners for an autopsy, and detectives later told the mother of three's family that she was strangled with a speaker wire. Police pursued the murder for months, but eventually came up empty-handed with no suspects or leads. Tina's death became a cold case. Hello? Hi, this is Sarah. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so can you start by telling me um, your relationship with Tina? I know you were her niece. Yeah. But how old were you when this happened? Um, well, it happened in 04, so I was 24. 24. And how close were you with her? Um, pretty close. Not like extremely close, but close enough. She had some mental problems that she dealt with. She was bipolar and schizophrenic and she was all underneath doctor's care and medication and stuff. But that kind of also pushed her away from the family, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the medicine, does, did it make her like feel funny and things like that? She kind of shut people out? Yeah, and then she would go off her meds and that would be really rough. I can remember a time when her kid had come home from North Carolina and he spent more time with my mom and my sister and I. And we were all sitting at the table discussing it after he left and my aunt went nuts on my mom. <laughs> yeah, like hit her over the head with coffee cup. She had to get stitches. It was bad. I, she was a great person regardless of her mental illness. She was very artistic. My mom's first marriage, she had made a cardboard cutout of a great big heart. And then she took tissue paper of the colors in my mom's wedding and all by hand and made it out a great big old heart. And it was just gorgeous. She used to decorate cookies and she was so perfect about it. Like, you would think that you got them from a bakery. I mean, and I mean, I'm talking about trains, teddy bears, you name it. And they would have 20 different colors on one little cookie. And she used toothpicks and all that stuff to make it just perfect on these cookies. Um, That's been always something really still big in our family. We still make cookies every year at Christmas and frost cookies every year at Christmas. From what I've heard about their childhood, it was pretty normal. I don't know 100%. Um, She was born with polio as a child. So, and, you know, back then the vaccines weren't like they are now. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one thing about her is it made her one leg skinnier. So she kept wanting to lose more weight too because it was noticeable. Mm -hmm. So she was always tiny, always super tiny. She wasn't 100 pounds. She never was 100 pounds. As far as I know, she was fine 
And then she moved to Texas with her first husband, Rick. The stories I got that they got into drugs and the drugs led into her mental illness. But when she moved back to Fostoria, was she involved in any kind of drug activity? Um, as far as I know, yes. Um, she always smoked her weed. I mean, but then I also heard that she smoked crack. Okay. But I don't know. You know, it's, that's all hearsay. And so she had three children, right? Were they all from Rick? No, um, her oldest two are. Corinne is her oldest, and then Nicholas, and then her last daughter is Shelby. Her youngest was actually taken by the welfare. She's been legally adopted. She's still part of our family. Honestly, her biological dad is one of the names that was brought up in my aunt's case. But her dad, for a long time, she went around telling everybody that it was her dad that did it and that she had him on recording that he did it but nothing's come out about it so we don't know and so do you know like are you still pretty close with them oh yeah i talk to Karen daily <laughs> don't talk to nick so much anymore he was living around here and then he moved away back down south um actually well Karen and i were living together at my grandparents house that's where Karen lived when shelby was born actually Okay. And then lived with his dad in North Carolina. Their lives were really impacted by her mental illness to start off. But the day that we got that news, it was just devastating. I remember going there on Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving and asking her to come to dinner and she would and that is the last time. Uh Karen was actually at work at certified. Okay. Um, I was at home. Actually, this is the most craziest part of all. I don't know if you know this or not, but Corinne's oldest son, Bryce, answered the phone at my grandparents' house. And how old is he when this happened? Five. And he was told on the phone that his grandmother was dead. She flat out told Bryce, Bryce, your grandma's dead. And then, you know, that whole circumstance in that situation, too, was, was also frustrating, you know, we were told it was her and her husband at the time that found my aunt when her husband at the time, which he has passed away since then, had back problems. He received social security and disability, but yet he climbed up a two-story house and removed an air conditioner and went inside of her house and found her. Yeah, doesn't make any sense, does it? There's a lot of questions that we have. and. I mean, now we'll never get him because passed away. Him and were both questioned. Yeah, the neighbors actually is who told the cops about them fleeing the scene and everything because it was like, you know, we got that call and then the next thing you know, um, I do believe they called 911 too. Which like, if you're going to flee you know, the scene. We're getting a call from the police department. We're down there, you know. Right. And I remember it being dark when we were there standing out there because there's an alley beside her apartment mm -hmm. and we, and i remember standing there it was detective clark my grandma my mom me and corinne and the other thing that's so hard is um you know that's my son's aunt on the other side you know and she has hugged my son she was in the delivery room when i gave birth to him you know it, it's hard to believe that 
she had something to do with it. But then at the same time, she's the one that called and told my my nephew that his grandma was dead. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's hard. A lot of us believe that have a really big, really big say in what happened. If they didn't do it, they know who did and they're covering for them. Yeah, because it's weird that they were like on the scene pretty quickly and the fact that he was able to... And then they took off in a truck and didn't stick around for the cops. Both been in prison. I know that they got it for obstructing of justice. Um, got out on leave or something then he was supposed to go back and she hit him in her house and they had to tear gas her house and all kinds of stuff. And he went to jail, well, went to prison on robbery. There's quite a few people that believe that they did. Was she, were they friends with Tina? I guess towards the end, yeah, they were. There's literally four articles on the internet, which I know the internet's changed a lot since 2004, but uh -huh. you would think that there would be more information. So that's literally all they'll tell us too. Which, okay, so my thing is, is either they have nothing else or they have something that they can't release and they're hoping someone slips up and says, and they're like, hey, we knew this happened and now you have the secret information that we didn't release to the public and now we've got you. Well, one thing that we were told that our family does know is they have DNA, but so far, I guess, no DNA has been a match. But let me confirm this, because I think I might be wrong. It might have not have been DNA on the speaker wire. It might have been in the drain. A typical person has their feet at the drain, correct? Taking a bath? Yeah, yeah. She was found opposite. Her head was at the part where the drain is. Was she sexually assaulted? Yes. Yeah, but the DNA didn't come from the sexual assault. It came from the, the wire around her neck. And they told us it was five to seven days in there. There was nothing. They didn't even make us identify her body. They said they knew it was her and they know her. It was, I want to say it was Detective Clark and Detective Huffman that both told my granny that they would do the identification. They didn't want my grandma to have to see that. I do know there was something else that like caught our attention when my grandmother and Corinne went to the apartment to clean it out after, it was like a couple weeks after. She had a case manager up at Firelands and she got a check every week for I think $35 or something like that. And she had multiple checks in her apartment that wasn't cashed. There was just odd to my grandma and Corinne that the checks were uncashed. She received social security and disability and like I said, she had a case manager that helped her pay her bills, made sure that all of her bills were paid, that she had her toiletries, everything. So they received her disability every month. They would pay her her bills, her um, like her gas and electric, her rent, and then what was ever left out after that, she would get a weekly, it was like a weekly allowance out of her check. And that's the other thing that like runs through my mind. Um, she was very adamant about cashing those checks every week. She had to have her cigarettes, you know, and and everything. Why wasn't those checks cashed? Where was this money coming from? Where was she still getting cigarettes? Where, you know, that's the kind of, them, them are the questions I have that run through my head every day. Now, I believe it was somebody that knew her. I don't know why. I still ask myself that every day, like why somebody would do something like that to her because she wouldn't harm a fly. When you said that she would keep to herself and she tended to stay inside the apartment, 
That makes me believe that whoever did do it, they knew her and she trusted them enough to let them in the house. That's why exactly. I was thinking originally. I was like, she's not going to. She wouldn't let a complete stranger in her home. Right. She was not that person to let just anyone. a stranger into her home. She wouldn't do it. She didn't really. She wasn't a people person, to be honest with you. She really wasn't. She kept to herself. She didn't bother nobody. The person that we believed knows something is gone now. I feel like there's another person that knows more information, but she's too scared to say anything. But I know there was an officer that was removed for um, issues involving someone that was underage. Okay, so we've had... And then we yeah. don't... Do we know who's working it currently? Nope. Well, as far as we know, it's a cold case and nobody's working it. When we call up there, my grandma calls up there to talk to somebody. They never return our calls. Um, 13 BC, Michael Bratton is who I've gotten extremely close with. He's the one that covers, comes down and covers our memorial every year at the, at the cemetery. He has tried to reach out. Nobody will even answer his calls, nothing. Either before we did it, there was six cops that drove by the whole time we were there. Sure. They kept driving by, they didn't stop, nothing. That's weird. And that's when Michael went to the police department. And he is no longer a reporter with 1380 But uh, he told me that they would not answer his phone calls, nothing. It wasn't even that they declined to comment. They just re returned the co returned calls or anything. You right. Know, if you were calling every it's day. Been, maybe... It's been well over a year since we've heard anything. Your grandma, you're very close with her, I can tell, just how, like, you talk about her. Yep. Um, what is going on with her health issues right now? She's got stage 3 anal cancer. So far, so good. Um, it has been very, very rough to tackle it head on. She does radiation and chemo five days a week. Today, she went, and they are going to have to cut it down. This was our fourth week, um, and it was supposed to be a six weeks this aggressive. But they decided today they cannot be this aggressive because it is hitting her too hard right now. She's got the will to fight. And she's 83. So, and I'm not discrediting any detectives, but it almost, the way that things are going right now, it almost feels like maybe it was a rush job. And like you said, oh, drugs were involved. You know, she had mental illness. It, it you know, we'll do what we have to do. And, you just know, to try to like, I just feel like she was pushed off to the side, and that's how our family feels. And it doesn't matter if she had one mental illness, all of them, and you add in drug usage. At the end of the day, she didn't deserve to die, and it's not fair to your family for her to not ever get the justice that she deserves. It doesn't matter the quality of person that you are, you still don't deserve to get murdered. Now, every year on the anniversary of her death, her family meets at her grave, and They've done this every single year except this past year because of COVID and then this year is the 17th anniversary. And all of that information was brought to us by our 13 Action News article. And I remember her niece, Christina Bowers, during the interview mentioned that there was a news anchor that would come out every single year to try and help bring awareness as well. But unfortunately, it just didn't help the situation. 
And I want to point out at this time, there's only three news articles and two of them say the exact same thing. And then the other article that you can find on Tina's case is just an article explaining how the family is upset that the original detective was suspended for allegations of misconduct. So at that point, her case had no detective working it. And that went on for months. And from there, it's just been radio silence. So when I first learned about this case, and I'm going to be honest, I've known about this case for a long time. Um, I just wanted to get some more background information because you won't find very much on it. Web Sleuth doesn't have anything about her, not even her name pops up. Because, wow, that's surprising. Yeah, that's like my go-to whenever I'm like, okay, I can't find anything. Now let's go find these theories and things like that about mm -hmm. the case. And you can't find them. So that makes me wonder why. And so when I found Christina, who actually is friends with Kelly Norman's mom, I just was like, you know what? I, maybe I'll reach out and maybe she'll want to speak with me. So originally we had an in-person interview set up with Christina and Donna, which is Tina's mother. However, Donna is going through vigorous chemotherapy right now and she is older. And so she just was not up to it. And I don't like, I felt so bad for her and hearing all the things that is going on in her life. It makes me feel bad because she is so afraid she's going to pass away and not have the answers to mm -hmm. her daughter's death. And despite any of the information that you'll hear in the interview about her being into drugs or potentially having a drug dealer live out of her home, that is never going to be a reason for anyone to die and have their case not looked into properly to be murdered. Yeah, there's no reason. So, and that's one of the things too that the family is a little bit worried about is they're like, yes, she is known to be a part of some of these things and maybe that's why they're not taking her case seriously, which is not fair whatsoever because regardless, you have a whole community of people that one, knew who she was mm -hmm. or is friends of that family and there is nothing worse than not knowing what happened to your child. For sure, you always want the answers, especially being ill and knowing that there's a possibility of you passing away soon. I'm sure she's sick with not knowing what happened. 100%, and I feel like a lot of times, like in one part of the interview that I had with Christina, she talks about how the family was so, they had like serious survivor guilt because they didn't go. She was in that bathtub for five days. They don't mention that in the articles, but she was in there for five days, but she was kind of a recluse. She didn't really go out of her way to be around people. Her meds made her feel like she just paranoid and paranoid and she wanted to stay inside, which is why they were like, she was constantly paranoid. There's no way that she would have let a stranger in the house. Mm -hmm. However, in the event that the theories that they're talking about, about the drug dealer potentially living in her place or using her home as his selling ground or her selling ground, they don't know who it is, but that's the rumor mill that was circulating around the town. Yeah. Maybe that person let someone in, or maybe it was someone coming to buy it. And they do talk about in my interview with her, she not only was she strangled, she was sexually assaulted. And so they had zero evidence because that water in the bathtub had ruined the DNA. Well, and sitting there for that many days, it definitely... Right. And so the family feels guilty that they didn't go check on her. But at the same time, and like I told Christina, it is not your fault. There's no, no. way that that is your fault. And like you can hear in her voice, she starts getting a little bit choked up. 
-hmm. And I'm sure if I spoke with Donna as well, she would feel that same way. But at the end of the day, how how are they ever going to know? How are they supposed to know? No, and that person did what they did. And whether they would have found her the day of or days later or even three months later, they couldn't have changed what happened. Yeah. You know, that person did what they did. And and that's on them. Right. So that's just some of the things that really, really stuck out to me in that interview. And I do want to cover some of the thoughts and theories of this case um, that also kind of went around the rumor mill. So I know we briefly talked about potentially there was someone living in her house that was using it to make the drugs or to sell the drugs. However, when I spoke with Christina, they didn't find any evidence of DNA or fingerprints from another person that would have linked back to that kind of activity. And they didn't really find much drug paraphernalia either. So I don't know if we can nix that. Well, and it makes it seem more, not professional, but kind of, because it had to have been clean. If it were rumored that someone was living there, there would have been DNA of some sort. Right. A toothbrush, a hairbrush, hair on the floor. Even men lose hair. Heck, I find my fiance's hair all over the place, and he's a guy. Right. And his hair isn't long or anything, but I find it. Mm-hmm. So if you're living somewhere, there, there's, there's evidence that you live there. Something. has There has to be. And I know in the interview, she did say that there was DNA found and they potentially do think that it was the killers, but she said she couldn't remember because obviously this is 17 years ago and obviously Donna would probably have a little more information, Mm -hmm. but I just couldn't. It's not that she didn't want to talk to us. She did, but she just isn't doing too well. She's not doing very well at all right now. However, there is... DNA that they did find. They think that it's the killers, but they put it in CODIS and it's not linked to anyone so far. So that to me is either whoever did it potentially was still a criminal and Mm -hmm. they didn't have a crime big enough at the time to be put into CODIS or they haven't committed any crimes since then. Yeah, and you'd think if she was in the crowd of drugs and and sketchy people that they would would have yeah, been in there. But it, at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Know. Like, even, like, later on. But then I, we also kind of briefly talked about, like, was there enough DNA? And maybe they're saving that little bit to, mm-hmm. like, test against someone that they're for sure about. Because if they only have a little bit, they don't want to waste it. And then all of a sudden, now the They one, don't have anything. Yeah, they have nothing. So that was another thing that they were a little bit worried about when she was talking to me. And then also... There are a couple other players in this that we we don't have their names. So one person is her daughter Shelby said they she thinks that her dad killed Tina and she said she has it on recording, but nothing has ever come of that. I know he was one of the suspects in mm-hmm. the case. Well, um, and if she has it on recording, like what does she have on recording? Exactly, and that's what they. And the where fa- is that? That the family has asked her to show that to them. And either she hasn't come up with it or it wasn't enough to get him in trouble. But I do know that he was one of the top people that they were looking into. And then my other question was, was she dating anyone at the time? And when I did the interview, she said that she didn't know. But as of today, she sent me a message back saying, I talked with my mom. She was dating someone at the time, but we do not know who it was. And the police ended up finding out who it was. They didn't release the name to the family, but they gave him a lie detector test, which they've been very, like, kind of closed-lipped about. Yeah, Yeah. which 
if they're giving this man a lie detector, he either gave them serious red flags or they're just, you know, going through the motions like, okay, let's cross them off the list. Let's exactly, do this, this, yeah. and this. But as you know, a lot of times lie detector tests can either be faked or they're not a lot. Of, they're, I don't even think they're even usable in court. They're anymore. not. So, so I mean, really, there's not. The only thing I think people or the detectives use them for is kind of like, well, we have record that supposedly you lied on this. So, like, tell us the truth. Like, it's kind of like a right. tactic of getting him to tell. And a lot of times, the grand consensus is if you're not willing to take the lie detector test, then you're either hiding something mm-hmm. or, I mean, I potentially, if I was involved in any kind of issue, which I'd never plan to be, um, I wouldn't really want to because, one, it's not usable, and two, it can be inconclusive. I'm wondering, because they're not usable in court, can they force you to do a lie detector test? I don't. Because I know with DNA, there's some instances where they can force you. Right. They but, can subpoena you or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but I'm not sure if they can with a lie detector test. I feel like you'd have to do it willingly. Yeah, because it's not usable in court, so what, how can they force you to do something that's not usable in court? Yeah. But it does make you look sketchy if you yeah. refuse to do if you it. refuse it, for sure. And then there is another theory that was going around. They think that there was a serial killer, and his name's Curtis Clinton. And he actually, we may cover him later on, but they were thinking that maybe he potentially did it. However, I looked at the timeline, and he was already in jail for killing Misty Keckler, also from Fostoria, in 1997. So he was already in jail at the time. He has been released, and then he killed someone else, and now he's back in jail. <laughs> so, yeah, he... Like, why? Why would you release him? Why would you release oh him? God. Clearly, he didn't learn his lesson. He just really just is not a good Jeez. member of society. So he doesn't, he's out. He was in jail. So it wasn't him. And then there are other potential people. But at this time, I don't feel comfortable saying their names For because sure. I don't want to get sued. And well, and if they're not it, and if they're not it, I don't need whoever ends up listening to this episode stalking the heck out of them and ruining their lives. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to the other point, which you'll hear me in the phone interview with Christina say, I will be bleeping out quite a few people's names because I don't think that it's fair for people that have been cleared or that are family members of Tina to be stalked because that's just, it's not fair. I wouldn't want it. Like we said, she had schizophrenia, and I kind of wanted to look into it just a little bit just to see exactly what possibly could cause it or why people have schizophrenia. And honestly, the what I've mostly read is there's not an exact cause of schizophrenia, and if there is, it's not known. But a combination of genetics, environment, and altered brain chemistry and structure may play a role into it. Schizophrenia is characterized by thoughts or experiences that seem out of touch with reality, disorganized speech or behavior, and a decreased participation in daily activities, such as seeing people, which she showed multiple signs of, Mm -hmm. um, being a recluse and everything like that. They have difficulty with concentration and memory and difficulty being present. Uh, Treatment is usually lifelong and often involves a combination of medications, psychotherapy, and coordinated specialty care services. So a lot of times they go into homes, things like that, so people are making sure they're taking their meds, Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times what happens is they're on their meds, they're feeling good, they don't think they need them anymore, 
they stop taking them and it's a huge vicious cycle unfortunately right and you had mentioned that like you even know some people that have had that will that have currently schizophrenia and you're like it's roller coaster you never know and they mm-hmm. always and that's one of the things I said too I was like a lot of times everything that I know about it like you get used to being on it and you think you're fine yep and then boom it's you're spiraling back down yeah and they're extremely paranoid typically they will think the littlest things are after them it's it's very strange and like i read it doesn't seem like they know the difference between reality and what's going on in their mind because sometimes they'll even see things right so yeah it just unfortunately especially in america mental health is not taken seriously especially 17 years ago Mm -hmm. um so i'm sure she struggled and i know a lot of people with mental health will go into drugs to help kind of soothe it yes and to help them kind of like bring themselves to reality and a lot of the times it does the complete opposite correct i know that what we have brought to you today is mostly from tina's niece christina um that's really all that that's out there you know like there's not much else and it's not very fair because a little tiny town with a lady that not many people knew and she was suffering from mental health issues and was involved in some of the drug activity it kind of just got pushed under the rug yeah everyday life they forgot about it people don't talk about it anymore it's 17 Mm -hmm. years ago that's a long time but the family remembers everyone that knows tina has not gotten over this she has three babies in this world that are active members of society that are living with the pain. You have a mother who's going through chemotherapy right now that is like petrified that she's going to pass away and not have the answers. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, this family just wants justice. I want to personally thank Christina Bowers for giving me the time to give me the interview and talking with me throughout the last few weeks. Yes. So thank you for joining us. If you have any information about Tina Snyder or tips you believe would be helpful, please contact the Faustoria Police Department at 419-435-8573 or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-54-CRIME. That's 1-800-542-7463. And as always, you can message us on our socials at Crime Connections Pod on Instagram and Crime Connections on Facebook. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.